number 13. Um, 14. We'll read through verse 14. That's where we'll end today. Let's stand for the out of respect of the reading of God's word. And starting in verse 10, you read out loud. If you're reading out of the same translation I am, that does help. So I'm reading out of the King James Bible. Ephesians 6.10. Let's read it all out loud together. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And let's stop right there. Father, thank you for your word. I hate that we paused right there because there's several other things that are said here in this passage. We don't want to take it out of context, but Lord, I do pray that you would help us to, uh, to stand not only against the enemy, but with the equipment that you've given to us. I pray that you'd help us today. We are in a fight right now. We as a, a people, as believers, we know that we're engaged in spiritual conflict. The world's just upset. They're under spiritual oppression. But Lord, um, in some cases, probably possession. But God, we know what's up. We know what's going on. So help us, Lord, to be prepared. Help us not to wander around and, and just say, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how, uh, what God's doing. God, we know you're in control. You're not letting things fall apart. You're bringing things together. And so help us to be part of what you have for 2022 as the world comes to an end. God, I pray that you'd help us to be joyful in knowing we have the answers and we have the hope. As was just saying, nothing greater than the grace of God. Nothing greater than the love of God. And we have the hope. Thank you for that. I pray that you would bless this service in this time of preaching your word, that you would edify us, build us up, strengthen us, encourage us today through your word and your spirit. We thank you that your presence is here. We welcome you here into this church. We pray that you would help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Ephesians 6, you're there. And uh, as a Christian, we do have three battlefronts. Can you say them with me? The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Three fronts. I've heard it said we have the battle from without, we have the battle from within, and we have the battle from beneath. And uh, we have an external foe, we have an internal foe, and as Adrian Rogers has said, we have an infernal foe. And we have a battle that we are engaged in. And uh, Satan, as we are talking about here in Ephesians 6... Uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world or this age. Spiritual wickedness in high places. There is an exposing, a pulling back of the curtain, if you will, of the spiritual wickedness that is going on in high places. In places of power, there's principalities, there's all kinds of darkness all around us. As much as it's been tried to be covered up, the Word of God, the truth, exposes the darkness. And so, don't be afraid of the darkness. We're supposed to be the light of this world, as Jesus said. Ye are the light of this world. We're really reflecting the light of Christ. And so we have it. We have the truth. So don't be afraid of the darkness. Satan means adversary because he's the enemy of God. Devil means accuser. Satan wants to cripple us, doesn't he? He wants to hurt us. And then he wants to blame us for limping. He wants to criticize us. How dare you limp like that? You know, the great accuser of the brethren. That's who Satan is. He's evil. He's wicked. And he's also, uh, he is an angel of light. 
He is somebody who looks good. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, you can go there in 13 through 15, turn there some other time and mark that though if you want in your notes. But he's an angel of light. He is not light. He's darkness. But he pretends to be light. He pretends. He masquerades. He puts on a mask, if you will. He is the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age. And in 1 Peter 5, 8, you know that verse, don't you? 1 Peter 5, 8. He's a lion. He walks around as a lion, right? Seeking whom he may what? What does a lion do? A lion devours. How many of you are signing up to go to the Milwaukee Zoo right now and just go into the lion cage? I'll sit in there all day and just feed the lions, you know. How many of you want to? No, no, I don't think any of us want to do that. But we play, like, we play around like that spiritually, don't we? As Proverbs says, Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? But see, the devil's looking around. He's walking around seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy our lives. And none of us are above that. And actually, the more proud you get by saying, well, the devil's not going to touch me, the bigger target you become. The Bible says God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. And so may we be careful that we're not uh, caught up in thinking that we're above a satanic attack. A spiritual battle is going on in this world and in the heavenlies. There's something going on. And you and I are part of the battle. Ephesians 6.12, look at it if you would. We wrestle not against what? Say it with me. Flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness. How do we have any power over the rulers of darkness? We have God on our side. Praise God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we have God's power at our disposal, if you will. We can appropriate God's grace for these times that we're living in. We need God's help. I love, I love my family. I enjoy uh, the new dog that we just got, our little puppy. Man, there's so many beautiful things in this world, aren't there? I'm, I know I'm painting a pretty grim picture of things. But all of the beautiful things that we see in nature and in our lives and all the good things that we enjoy are a gift from God. But sad to say, the world is under this oppressive curse. And that is not God's doing. That is man's doing. And Satan deceived man and tricked man into disobeying God. And because of one man's sin, Paul says in Romans 5, death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So don't blame God. Thank Him for the good things, but shame on the devil and shame on man for all the wicked things in this world, the disease and decay and the destruction and the curse and the heartache and the murders and all the crimes in this world are because of man's sin against God. Oh, we need to focus on the battle. Yes, we are too weak to spiritually fight. But that's why Paul says in verse number 10, look at it if, if you would. I know we're going back, but look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, what does he say? Next three or four words. Be strong, or five words, in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his. Does it say that there or did I just make that up? Seemed like you weren't with me there for a second. Are you with me this morning? Are you here with me this morning? Are you here? Are you present physically and spiritually and emotionally and mentally? Okay, good. He says, be strong. In, I gave you, see, I, sometimes you don't know what I'm doing up here. I'm treading water. I'm giving you time to turn there to so make sure that you're ready for the next time we go around this, okay? You know how this works, Miss Kathy. All right, be strong in the Lord, verse 10. You're saying, what, where are we at? What chapter, what book are we in? Ephesians 6, verse 10. Ready? Here we go. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the what? The Lord. Not in our flesh. Not in our flesh. We need God's help because it's a spiritual war. We need God's help for everything. Uh, Paul says, I can do all things. Well, that's great. <laughs> but it's in Christ, right? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. His might. 
Man, I'm so, gla- I'm so glad we have God's help because we are nothing. We stand no chance against Satan. But with God, we can do this. First John 4, 4, I already quoted it, but you can uh, write that down for later. Greater is he that is in you. Ephesians six eleven. go with me, next verse here. Here we go. He says, be strong in the power of God and his might. All right, uh, verse 11. Then he gives us some practical application. I love it. I'm sorry, I know you're looking down at verse 11, but just bear with me a second here. The first, uh, many times in Paul's epistles, the first half has to do with doctrine. He's teaching them doctrine. The second half of his books, his epistles, Paul's epistles, have to do with practical application. So he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now here's practical application. Verse 11, put on, what does he say? Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of of the devil. That word wiles there has the idea of a, uh, he's, he's got a scheme going on. He's got, uh, he's got a thought out plan. He's not just playing around. The devil's not a cartoon, okay? I know we think of him sometimes as a, a cartoon, but he's not. He's knowledgeable, at least, of what gets us, what works on us. What we can't handle sometimes without God's help. If you want to catch fish, you need a fishing pole. You need a fishing line. You need a hook. But then you also need bait, right? And uh, we don't go out fishing, at least I don't go out fishing, with with the intent to just have fun. I want to have fun. I want to relax. I want to spend time with my family, my kids, or my relatives, or my friends, or you. Not that you're not one of those. You are my, you're all my friends, okay? But, you know, I want to spend time with people. That's important, right? But I also want to do something else. I want to catch fish. And if I'm planning to catch a fish, it's not good enough to just take a pole with me. It's not good enough to just take a pole with some fishing line. It's not good enough to just have a hook. You have to have some bait on the hook, right? And uh, as Adrian Rogers has said, the devil's not stupid. He's not, he is too smart as the devil's, as Adrian Rogers said, the devil's too smart to go fishing without any bait. He's going to take bait. And when I was in Texas, we would fish in the bays and we would fish in the oceans and we would take with us or we would go and buy there. We would buy baits. We would buy live, uh, live shrimp. And I was thinking, man, why am I putting, you know, perfectly good shrimp in the water to feed the sharks and the fish and the stingrays and everything out there? What in the world am I doing? Well, the answer was given to me when I would once in a while catch a fish. I'm sacrificing something to get something back. And the devil knows how to bait the hook. He knows what works on us. And uh, there's a lot of different lies that the devil tells us. There's many lies we tell ourselves. And uh, to put on the whole armor of God means to believe all that Jesus has done for us and to live it out daily in life. And it's important that we come to the battle prepared. And he, that's why it says, God says, put on the whole armor. He's provided all that we need. Verse 13, he says, wherefore, take unto you the whole. He's repeating it again. Verse 11, he says it. Verse 13, he says it. Wherefore, take unto you the whole. What does he say there? Armor of God. The armor of God. Then he says why you're doing it. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Verses 14 through 17 describes six pieces of armor. But I want to focus on the very first one today. And that's it. Verse 14. The first element of our armor is truth. Stand therefore. Verse 14. I feel like we need to read this together. Let's read it together. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. We'll stop right there. Having your loins girt about with truth. Satan 
our adversary, our foe, the devil, is a liar, John 8 tells us. The devil is a liar. And we as Christians have the truth. So we got to stop listening to the lies and start listening to the truth. In ancient days, men would wear long robes. Long robes. And those robes would get in the way for work or even for battle. And what they would do is they would wrap up those long robes, all the material, all of that was wrapped up. And it was wrapped up in a way that they could run or fight or work easily. And this was called girding up your loins. 1 Peter 13, the Bible says, 1 Peter 1, 13, the Bible says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Where is the battle of truth many times fought? It is fought up in our minds. Wrong thinking. And then he says in 1 Peter 1, he says, Be sober. 1 Peter 1, 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your minds and be sober. Be sober. It's not just about being intemperate in eating and drinking, Barnes says. He says that greatly disqualifies for the above readiness and attention. But being sober also has uh, the idea that we need to not be inebriated with the cares of this life, which choke out the word of God and make it unfruitful. You know, many times, we're, you are the choir, if you would. You know, we're preaching to the choir. You guys know the Word of God. I'm not preaching down at the rescue mission or at the, you know, some uh, group of unbelievers. You guys know the Word. And the, the battle's not so much with the, uh, the big things of this world, the big lies of this world, but the little lies that the devil puts in our, to our minds. And, and one of the lies is, is that we have time to play around. We've got time to serve the Lord later. We got time to go fishing this weekend and skip church. And we got time to miss out on the important things that God is wanting us to accomplish today. We've got time later. And we have the wrong thinking. And we're not serious about uh, the word. And we're not serious about the ministry God's put us in. And we're inebriated with the cares of life. And so gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Then he says, verse 13, he says, and hope to the end. We need to trust with a perfect confidence. Um, We need to look towards the Lord's return. And he says, for the grace, hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're looking to the hope. We're looking, uh, we're hoping for the Lord's return. But in the meantime, we can't be playing around. We need to gird up and be sober. We need to be ready for action. We need to be prayed up. We need to be uh, read up in the word. We need to understand what God is wanting us to know and to understand in this life. And so I go back, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, he says there, verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. We need to uh, be wrapped up in the truth. The Lord knows our loins uh, needed to be wrapped up in truth. So that's why he told us that in, regardless of the times we're living in, regardless of the culture that we're facing right now, we need to be focused on the truth. It's sad to see politicians who change their view from one election to the next, even some that consider themselves to be believers and Christians. And my friend, we're all susceptible of changing and going against the Bible. When we used to stand on the word of God down the road later on, as the cares and the pressures of life come upon us and our children get older and they begin to do things that are not godly and are against what we used to stand on over here, 
They're against how we sought to raise our children. And maybe we come down here as the kids get older and they begin to want to do things and they begin to say and do and participate in things that are not, are, are not uh, godly. And we begin to say, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal anymore. You know, the world's changed. My friend, the world changes every day. As fast as the world spins through the cosmos, the world's philosophy is changing. The word of God never changes. And so what may we praise God for the sure foundation of the Bible and the Bible stands. Praise God. We sing about it. How firm a foundation, all of those things. But why don't we start standing on the word and the truth that we have? We're not taking a stand on the word. One of the lies that the devil tells us is that the Bible is not God's word. And if he can't get us with that one, again, I'm preaching to the choir. You know the Bible is the word of God, amen? But if, we, if he can't get us with that one, many times what he tries to do is he tries to say, well, the Bible contains the word of God. My friend, the Bible is God's holy and perfect word. And there is there, one of the biggest battlefronts right now. And one of the biggest battlefronts since the inception of the written, since we've gotten the written word of God, has been an attack on the Bible. Uh, in 1985, at a Southern Baptist convention, a lawyer for the moderates, and there was a battle going on. Oh, is the Bible the Word of God? You know, it just contains the Word of God. You know, the, the story uh, of, uh, you know, the parting of the Red Sea. Well, that's, you know, that's just poetry. You know, there's no such thing. That couldn't have happened. You know, and then people came along and said, well, it wasn't really the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea, which was actually more of a swamp. And the, the children of Israel crossed, and they, there was really no uh, miraculous this parting of water that couldn't have happened and uh, I don't think they really thought through the whole story of how that the children of Israel crossed on dry ground as the scripture says but also that Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea I think it's more miraculous to believe that the Pharaoh and Pharaoh in Egypt and his army drowned in what they said was ankle deep water it takes more of a miracle to believe that, in my opinion, than to just believe what the Word of God says and that the, the God of creation, the God who created the Red Sea, parted it, and the children of Israel walked across on dry ground. See, people say, well, you can't believe the Bible and science. You know, they have to, you know, science is actually uh, proving these things that the Bible said happened, proving them as false. No, it's not. The Bible correlates with science. But we believe that there is a God who created the world, who has the power to do things that are beyond our human understanding and beyond physical possibility at times. But my friend, it doesn't go against science. Actually, what they call science today goes against science. True science, observable, testable, repeatable. I'm not here to talk about that today. But in 1985, a Southern Baptist convention, a lawyer for the moderates told Adrian Rogers, that the, who was the SBC, the Southern Baptist president at that time, that if he didn't compromise, if you didn't compromise, meaning if you didn't come along and agree and side with in some way or fashion with the moderates and those that were kind of playing around with this, this idea that the word is not really God's word, if you didn't compromise, then we will never come together. We're never going to find common ground. And at that time, as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Adrian Rogers kindly replied, this is what he said, I'm willing to compromise about many things, but not the word of God. So far as getting together is concerned, we don't have to get together. The SBC does not have to survive. I don't have to be the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church, which was probably the biggest Southern Baptist church at that time. And he was the pastor of it. He said, I don't have to be the pastor of that church. I don't have to survive. 
I don't have to be loved. I don't, and this way he said, I don't even have to live. But I will not compromise the word of God. And guess what? They righted the ship for a time. They brought everything back together. It's sad to see where the SBC is going again. But praise God, we're independent Baptists. We're not part of that mess. But the first element of armor is the truth. I think it's important that we start, as Paul gave us, as God's holy word, the truth. Truth is under attack more than ever. And lying is more than just being dishonest with other people. Satan tells us lies. You know, I'm not sure about you, but I, uh, as a child, I told a few whoppers, okay? Uh, There was a few lies that I told. And there was one time even where I got accused of lying and I actually wasn't lying. But in my defense, I was telling more lies, even though I hadn't lied. But I got in trouble at school. I even got a spanking at school. You know, there used to be a time where they used to give kids spankings at school, whether right or wrong. But at my school, they did. I mean, they had corporal punishment. You got three swats with a board. And I remember I, I was wearing these khakis and the button on the back of my pants broke, you know. I mean, the, the button broke. I mean, that, that shielded me probably a little bit, you know, it kind of softened the blow. But I'm telling you, it was embarrassing. I came out, you know, the kids were coming down the hallway. My class was coming down the hallway. Me and this other kid who lied, we were coming back. You know, we had lied. And, and so we got talk, brought to the principal's office. Lying is an abomination to the Lord. Oh, yes, we believe that. Yes, called my parents. Your son lied. Can we give him a spanking? Yes. Whoop him, you know. And... Uh, I got a spanking at home, too, for that. But I actually hadn't lied in that instance, but there was many times where I did lie and I didn't get caught. So, you know, in the words of my grandfather, that was for something uh, you did before, okay? And uh, I have told lies. But the worst lies that are told are not even probably the lies that we tell other people, but we allow the devil to tell to us and the lies we tell ourselves. There are many lies that we tell ourselves. One is, and actually there's a good book out there. If you get time, it's a good read. There's two books. I haven't read read one of them. I'm reading the other one. Lies we tell ourselves, or lies women believe. I think the ladies' Sunday school class went through that book. And then the, the other one, which was written 15 years later, more recently, Lies Men Believe. Some of these I, I got from that book. I mean, it's a very good book. But one lie that we tell ourselves is, I am not responsible for my actions. I'm not responsible. Why do we have the mess that we have today? We have a nation full of victims. It's somebody else's fault that I act this way. That's why you need to raise your children with the understanding that if they do something wrong, it is their fault. I believe that this is one lie that is sending people to hell because when we don't take responsibility for our actions, we are not on a footing where we could come to God and confess our sin to Him and admit that we are sinners. Because if we don't think we are at fault for our problems, and it's somebody else's, it's my parents, it's my father, it's my mother, it's my grandmother, it's my grandfather, it's, uh, you know, it's the teacher's fault, it's the police officer, it's the system's fault, it's a whatever. Then we're not able to come to God in honesty and in humility and say, God, forgive me for my sin. You see where this is going. We got a problem on our hands, don't we? The best thing we could teach our children is that they are responsible for their actions. Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. It's hard to admit that you've done wrong. But there is great liberty and freedom in in admitting and confessing our sins to God and to others. When we've wronged others, we need to confess to others. 
The most important thing that you or I could ever do is to come to God, our Creator, and receive the forgiveness that He promises if we would just admit and believe and receive His free gift of salvation. I am a sinner. There had to come a point in my life where I admitted my need. I'm a sinner. The Bible says there's none good. There is none righteous. Another lie that we believe is that pleasure and entertainment can satisfy me. One more thing or fling will make me happy. Another lie is making more money will make me happier. There's always something more, isn't there? There's always something more that we want because it will never satisfy the world The pleasures, the things, they don't ultimately satisfy. They make us happy for a time, but they cannot satisfy. Another lie that we hear is, if I discipline my kids, they will rebel. My friend, if you don't discipline your kids, they're going to go to the devil. If you don't discipline your kids, they're going to go their own way. A child left to himself bringeth his mother. So we need to discipline, but we have to do it the right way. That takes wisdom and love and forethought and disciplining ourselves. We have to discipline ourselves before we discipline our children. We have to discipline the flesh. Many times we want to react, and that's why we're saying, well, I can't can't discipline them because I'm going to do it in anger. Well, you need to discipline them, so you have to do something about your anger. You have to get your flesh by God's grace, under submission. And then you go and deal with your God-given responsibility. If you don't discipline your kids, they will go the wrong way. Uh, another lie we, that, that we hear is, I'm not responsible to be the provider for my wife and family. I hope that's not true here, but you know, even the Bible says that if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. There's certain things that uh, God has given to us as, as fathers, to be providers in the home. Uh, sometimes women and wives believe, I don't have to submit to my husband's leadership. After all, it's 2022. It doesn't matter if it's 2022. It doesn't matter if it's 2032. We need to follow the God-given order of the home, even if it doesn't make sense or if it's not popular. And when it works right, when it works, it works well, right? When the order works, it works well. If the husband loves the wife as Christ loves the church, he's not going to be oppressive. He's not going to be a, 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 a harsh dictator. And if the wife submits to her husband and obeys him, there will be a beautiful relationship in the home. Follow God's way. Don't listen to the lies that are out there. Uh, Another lie is my faith and work are not related. We separate many times secular from spiritual. We say this this is God's time, and then this is my boss's time, and this is my time. They all work together. And all things need to be submitted to the Lord. Uh, God says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Not priority. Many times we think, well, uh, we just have to have these other gods down here below God. Put God first. No, no other gods. God is supreme in all things. All things. Um, you know, some people might think, you know, if I tithe, then the rest of my money I can just blow however I want. No, we're responsible for all of it because it's not ours. And we're a steward of all. Um, another thing is uh, I can't afford to give more money uh, away. Um, Regardless of your income in here, my friend, your wealth, and you have wealth, your wealth far exceeds the rest of most of the world. We just need to be a better uh, steward. We need to take better care of what God gives to us. And I believe if we put God first, it does help us, number one, to to honor God, but also to, to put our priorities where they need to be. And then we're careful with the rest of it. Number 10, uh, I have the right to be angry when things don't go my way. We don't have a right to be angry. Uh, I can't help how I react to certain people and circumstances. 
Well, many times we believe that for in the moment. We're like, man, I couldn't help myself. I, you know, it just, it just, you know, it slipped out. The, the words I said, I don't mean them, but, you know, in the time, you know, they deserved it. May we take some time to evaluate how God could have helped us to have done the right thing in the moment where we were tempted to sin. Anger is a sin. Reacting is a sin. Because God gives us power and grace to do the right thing. And um, number 12 today, the world is rigged against me. That goes back to kind of the victim mentality. Oh, everything is against me. Well, I just got done telling all of us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So I believe we have power over many of the obstacles. We have power over all things with Christ's help. The world might be rigged against us in a sense because it's just a fallen world. But God's in charge and God's in you. Number 13, with everything going on in my life, it's not possible to live with integrity. Many times we think, well, I have to lie, I have to cheat, I have to do all these things. My boss expects me to do it. If I don't do it, I'm going to lose my job. My friend, put God first. Honor God. It's never right to do wrong in order to get a chance to do right, as Bob Jones Sr. said. It is always right to do right, and it is always wrong to do wrong. Another one is, this world is too messed up to bring children into. I understand where that sentiment comes from. But God gives us children to be a steward of, to take care of, and to raise for him. But those children are given to us not for our pleasure, but for God's work. God wants to use these children that you have to do something in this world for God's kingdom. And so it's not our decision to say, well, you know, I don't want to bring children into this world because it's just so bad. They're not going to be able to, you know, have all the nice things that I think they should have. My friend, if you have the right understanding of who children are and and your responsibility to your children, you will uh, have to let that go. Uh, God does what he wants, and we need to submit to that. Number 15, if I experience uh, same-sex attraction, I should pursue a same-sex relationship. After all, love is love. My friend, love might be love, but it's not the kind of love that God has. Sin is sin, and love just might be lust. We, I know this is, a, this is a touchy subject, isn't it? But why should it be such a touchy subject, right? We're kind of falling into this oppressive culture and philosophy that pervades where you can't talk about certain things because it's just not, you know, it's not right. You know, we might offend somebody. But God's word is offensive to sinners. But that's part of what brings us to God. It causes us to, to be under conviction when we hear what's true. I don't want to hear a bad report from my doctor. In fact, when I go to the doctor, many times I dread what they're going to do and say. You know, I, you know, I never have high blood pressure except when I'm sitting in the doctor's office. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, why is this always like this? Because I don't like to be there. I don't want to hear them. But after they tell me good news, I'm like, well, that wasn't so hard. But there might come a day where they will tell me bad news. They might tell you some bad news. But wouldn't you rather hear bad news in time when something could be done about it than when it's too late? How many of you are with me on that? If you know what I'm saying uh, spiritually, for the spiritual application, wouldn't you want, uh, you know, all of us are going to hear the bad news about our spiritual condition at some point, either here or in eternity. All of us are going to have to grapple with that either now or in eternity forever. And sad to say, some people have ignored it and ignored it or never heard the truth, and they're burning in hell today because they didn't hear the truth in time. As somebody has said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time, if you know what I'm saying. So when, when we're talking about touchy things and hard things to do, you know, it's just, you know, we're not being very sensitive. 
You know, we, you may have never gone through sensitivity training, but all of us really have. If you listen to the news and if you listen to social media and you get on there, we are desensitized. They call it sensitivity training, but it's desensitivity training. We're not sensitive to what the word and the truth says. Uh, another thing is this world, uh, or uh, let's see, number 16. Who others think I am matters more than who I really am. It doesn't matter what other people think. And there's a lot of liberty and freedom in that when we stop worrying about what others think and say. And yet, although it doesn't matter what other people think, it does matter what God thinks. Number uh, 17. Let's go on to number 18 for time. Uh, The Bible is not God's word. The Bible contains God's word. We covered that. Or number 19. There are many ways to God. This is another thing that's being uh, taught in the world right now. There are many ways to heaven. Although this is not popular to say, it doesn't matter. Because we want to help people. We want to tell them the truth. We don't want to lie to them. There's only one way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, all the world religions like to include Jesus in their religion in some way or another. They want to put him there as a good man, a prophet, all these types of things. But why don't we listen to what Jesus says? There's only one way to God. And it's not through Allah, it's not through uh, Buddha, it's not through keeping some uh, ritual, it's not through the church, it's not through baptism or good works. There's only one way, and it's through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Uh, The next thing is, I can run away from God. Well, we could read the story of Jonah, but I'll save you the time. The answer is no, we can't run away from God. Uh, as an unbeliever, there will come a time where God, you know, what you decide in this life when you die and you go into eternity, God is not going to come after that person. We know the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's bringing conviction. But my friend, also for believers, if you try to run from God and do your own thing, you're not going to have fun. You're not going to enjoy your time away from the Lord. So the best news I could give you, the best advice I could give you is, is give God your life and serve Him with all your heart. That, that's very basic in the Old Testament. Several times it's repeated once in Deuteronomy, another time in Ecclesiastes. This is the whole duty of man to fear God and keep His commandments. So many Christians are saying, well, I can, I can be saved and I can do all the things I want to do too because... Unfortunately, we hear Joel Osteen and Victoria Osteen say things like, you can do what you want to do because it's about you. God wants you to be happy. It's about you. My friend, it has never been about us. We were created to bring God pleasure and bring Him glory. And so, uh, fear God and keep His commandments. Another thing is, uh, number 21, I can earn God's favor. There's nothing we can do to earn God's favor because we're fallen creation and we deserve to go to hell. But God says that He sent His Son, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? So that we could earn His favor? No. That the world through Him might be saved. That whosoever believeth on him should not be perished, but have everlasting life. Uh, Number 22, my sin isn't really that bad. Have you ever heard somebody say, since we're talking about lying, you know, my lies are not that bad. They're little gray lies, you know. They're They're not as bad as, you know, they're not as bad as Miss Jessica's lies or Miss Miss Kathy's lies. I picked them because I've never heard them lie, as far as I know. Maybe I just told a lie. I don't know. But, uh, my lies are just little white lies. You ever heard that one? They're just little. My sin really isn't that bad. My friend, one sin condemns us. We become a lawbreaker. I read this analogy just recently. Let's pretend that you're driving down the road and, uh, you know, let's say it's not you, okay? Uh, Let's say somebody's driving down the road and they are pulled over for drunk driving. And they're pulled out of the car, they're given the test, they're, they're guilty. You know, they come before the judge and they say, Judge, you know, I did do that sin. I did do that one. I broke that law. But I didn't jaywalk or I didn't commit homicide or I didn't do any of the number of other things that are very, very bad. So, 
you know, because I'm not guilty, you're going to let me go, right? You didn't break all of the laws. You just broke one of the laws. But that law condemns you, and now you are guilty and have to pay a penalty. See, we might not have committed homicide or adultery or any of the other things that are listed in the Ten Commandments, but my friend, if you are a liar, then you are guilty of all the law. Look at the book of James. You can read that on your own time. My sin isn't really that bad, but one sin is enough to condemn us. And by the way, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. See, we have that nature. God needs to do that miraculous work of salvation in our life, and you need to let Him do that. Call upon Him to save you. The last one today. God could never forgive me for what I've done. I've actually heard somebody say that. We were sitting in a nursing home, witnessing to a man years ago, but he, we were holding his, holding his hand, Sir, would you just receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Just, you know, there was no need for him to have to admit his sin. He knew he was a sinner. And he said to me, God couldn't save me because I've done so much wrong. And sadly, I don't believe he got saved. Because that was keeping him from believing in the blood, who, the blood of Jesus who will wash away all of our sins. It's effective. It is enough. Jesus stood in our place. He took our penalty so that we don't have to. And Satan is a liar. But the believer whose life is controlled by truth will defeat him. Will defeat him. We need to get our thoughts right. How many of us are being pulled in? By the world's philosophies. How much time do we spend in the world versus how much time do we spend cleansing out the bad? How much time do we give to the hearing of the Word of God? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We need God's help today, don't we? We're no match for the devil. You think somehow, oh, it's just a joke. He's just a little comic, you know. He's, a, he's funny. Now, the devil loves for us to think that. One of the greatest lies the devil wants us to believe is that he doesn't exist. As egotistical as the devil is, he knows that he has more power if he can get us to, be, to not believe in him. You need help. I need help. How are we going to make it? How are we going to get through the, the forest, the jungle of all of the corrupt thinking? And you might be saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm in my 70s, I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 50s, I've gotten through all of it. No, you're not over, it's not over for you yet. But don't just think about yourself, how about your children and grandchildren? What are they going to face? What are they facing right now? It's so confusing. We need God's help. And like I said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Number one, you need Jesus Christ. You need the Holy Spirit to help you. And if you're not saved, come this morning. We will show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you are on your way to heaven. And that you will have the Holy Spirit's help to wade through all of the dark, the dark things that we're facing, the lies and the oppressive behavior of the God of this age. Number one, you need to be saved. Number two, if you're saved, you just need to keep coming back to the Lord. We need to be saved, not just from the penalty of sin, but the presence of sin. Oh, it is pervasive. It is in our life. And the closer we get to the Lord, the more we're, we realize how bad it is and how it has crept in in areas that we didn't realize that the world's philosophy and the lies are crept in. But when we get close to the Lord, it begins to reveal, the light reveals 
What's going on? So my friend, instead of turning a blind eye to the message today and saying, ah, that was for, that was for Jimmy or that was for Jenny, this is for me. Okay, we all need it this morning. So why don't you come in a moment while Mrs. Hoover is going to play the piano. I'm going to pray. And as soon as I say, man, if you need Jesus to be, if you need to be saved, you come and talk to one of our men or one of our ladies that are down in the front. You come and talk to us. Tell us you need to get saved. Praise God for the ones that got saved in VBS and the lady that got saved last Sunday. But how about you? It's your turn. You need to get saved. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's all stand to our feet. Father, Lord, I do pray that you'd help us this morning. God, we are no match for the one who is bent on destroying our lives, who hates you and is really angry right now, or at least is really busy trying to destroy lives and is trying to disrupt our worship and our attention and devotion. God, help us. I pray for those today that are not saved. They are lost in their sins, like all of us were, until the day we met Jesus. Thank you, God, for your plan. Your way is always best. Help us to realize that. God, may we, may we today see somebody trust Jesus. I pray that you work in their heart, Lord. I pray for that one or two or whoever, however many it is, that is under conviction right now. That today they would say, I'm not going to hold back anymore. It's, I'm done. I'm done holding back. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. I pray that you would... Uh, continue working in that life. Lord, I pray for the believer. I pray that you help us today to come and pray and to receive help this morning, to ask for prayer, to be transparent, to be honest, to show that, we yes, we need prayer. We need help. And uh, we're, we're a family here, Lord, and we can do this together. And I thank you for your church. I thank you for uh, the brothers and sisters that help us in living life in defeating the world, the flesh, and the devil, to raise children, to be uh, evangelists in this world. I thank you for the team that we have here in this church. We can work together, but help us to continue to be unified, and we only get that through humility and through love, and help us to be honest, even today, in this need of, we need prayer, we need help, and uh, we're, we, need, we need to do that this morning. I pray for the Christian that needs to uh, to find maybe a prayer partner or maybe needs to uh, find an accountability partner, somebody to encourage them and help them and to be, that they can be honest with, help us to stop lying, help us to stop putting up the facade and putting on a show. Help us, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You come at this time. 